Welcome to All Kinds. I'm Chaya. And today we're going to talk about the kids are not okay, boomer. There's always generational divides, but somehow this seems different. Why is the peace and love generation causing such strife? From housing, education, climate, and retirement, the legacy they're leaving doesn't seem to match up to their sense of entitlement. Sex in the City. Kim Cattrall, a boomer and an icon. The legacy of her Samantha gave us mainstream sexual freedom. Now that's the kind of love we're talking about. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, you know, first we'll start with some updates. I'm sure you guys all saw the apology or heard about it, at least Ellen's phony apology that she gave this past week. And a lot of people are left dissatisfied or unhappy and rightfully so. I mean, essentially what I thought she was going to do was announce that she's sorry and everyone got a raise or a big giveaway a la Oprah style, you know, because she is like the new Oprah, essentially. And made me think back to that interview she did in 2018 with the New York Times, you know, trying to say that she's not this kind persona that she is, but that's just a small part of her. But she did say it was funny because they did ask her in the interview. They're like, what do you say about these rumors? This is back in 2018, guys. What do you say to these rumors that there's been some complaints about, you know, workplace behavior, things like that? Like, apparently this was brought to her attention and rumors have been uh, open Hollywood secret for years. And she says these are outright lies. She always creates a great work environment. And absolutely, people should not feel scared to, you know, be able to speak their mind and everyone should be safe. So she's been denying this for a while. So now here we are. She's saying mea culpa. She's saying I'm sorry. She made a few jokes. I get it. She's Ellen. But, you know, she also had that special called Relatable. And then, you know, if we do a quick rundown, don't forget, you know, she goes on pandemic. She doesn't inform her workers for like a month. They're wondering, like, are we going to get paid? Are we going to have a job? I got to remind you guys, like everybody on this set isn't a millionaire. There's like grippers, cameramen, technical people. I mean, it's a lot. They're supporting families and stuff like that. And instead, they wait a month to hear what's going to happen. And then she hires non-union to film out of her house where she makes those jokes that it's like being in a prison in her house. Meanwhile, like her workers are like, what's going on? Right. Never mind all the allegations of harassment. The thing for me is is that she sort of acknowledges that nobody blames her directly for the harassment or sexual claims. And I know that they got rid of uh, one of her producers, you know, to make up for it. I guess he was the one who fell on the sword, if you will. And I guess she figures that's it. It's a new chapter, like she said, and she's moving on. But in her apology, she just skims over it. She doesn't acknowledge like the pain or hurt or whatever happened to these workers. It's sort of just minimized as like, oh, well, I think she says, how was your summer? Mine wasn't not so great. Ha ha ha. I'm like, wow, (laughs) that's something, you know. But hey, that's her. She's going to be her. You don't have to watch. Um, You know, I guess it'll be tough for her to keep this persona going. Everyone has to remember the woman is in her 60s. You know, she has to sing and dance. I'm not I'm not feeling bad for her whatsoever. She gets millions of dollars to do this. No one's forcing her to keep this going. I mean, I think she's paid like eighty five million dollars a year, plus all her licensing, all her deals and she has video games. She has everything. You name it. And then there's another show, The Game of Games. And if people like Ellen, they love Ellen. So I think people are going to come back. I think the apology was pretty shitty. She should have, you know, I really thought given everyone a raise, <laughs> that would have made sense. But I think that's just something that we're seeing more and more of. I mean, a lot of people get outraged at a lot of things. And then it just sort of dies down like, oh, ho-hum, what's next? What's the next issue to get angry about? But I really hope that going forward... 
there will be a good environment there and people will feel comfortable. And maybe now they're allowed to look her in the eye. I don't know. Right. But everyone knows it's no mystery now. Like, ooh, like if you're applying for a job on the Ellen show, like just be warned. Right. It's not you're not necessarily in for some good times nor a raise, I should add. So that's really where I stand on it. I was never a huge Ellen watcher, you know, of her show. I know as she said something funny, I think, in her apology, like, well, uh, I'm not sure if it was her apology or her interview. You know, she basically she said, you know, I got away with, uh, you know, I'm a good actress. This whole like be kind type of thing. You know, I got away playing a straight woman, you know, in all these movies. I'm like, you never got away with it. Like, I remember watching this movies and her Ellen show thinking like this woman's clearly a lesbian. They didn't even like dress her as like a straight person because back then in I guess the 90s, early 2000s, there were, you know, ways to dress to identify who you were and what type of groups or music or cultural preferences you had like i was talking about last week's episode you can really wear whatever you want right now but back then people dressed according to their box you know there she'd be acting as a straight woman in an apartment with like you know possibly wearing an open flannel shirt you know which at the time that wouldn't be a woman that age in the 90s 2000s and i should point out jeremy piven was on that show you know every time i see entourage i love that guy but i always think of him being on that show that was pretty awesome. But, you know, speaking of, you know, people don't realize this. Ellen is a baby boomer. And we keep hearing the term boomer, OK, boomer, and all these problems we're having with the Kens and the Karens and talking about entitled boomers. And yes, there's always been generational issues, but these are based on some real hard facts that are coming out. This is the first generation that is actually going a bit backward. Uh, for those of you who don't know, baby boomers are the ones who are born from 1946 to 1964. They're currently between 56 and 74 years old. So more than one in six Canadians are now 65. So that's more than half of us that were born in the baby boomer generation. But then again, what's happening is the millennial generation is getting bigger and bigger. So right now, I think we're bigger. I have my understanding. I'm not sure about the U.S., but for I can speak for Canada. There's 9.8 billion, I guess you'd say millennials. So I know they always miss the people in between. You have your boomers, and then right away they go to millennials, which, depending who you talk to, is from 1980 or to 1982, sometimes 1981. And they're now representing 9.8 million, and I think the boomers are 9.1 million. So that's, I think, why you're starting to see a lot of this. Because I started noticing it when I was coming up. And just disclaimer, um, I'm turning 40 very shortly, so I'm not really sure which category. I'm Gen X slash millennial, depending on how you look at it. But I noticed things were not as easy as they had been told to us from when we were younger. Just work hard. You're going to get ahead. There were certain instances where I worked at certain companies and I left even though I was doing well because I knew that I wouldn't even get promoted because not that they wouldn't promote me. It's just that there were so many great people ahead of me, much older than me, that I'd be last in line. These people were just as deserving. And they're not stepping aside. I have coworkers in their 60s. Like recently, I was very upset when my coworker was retiring. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you mean you have to retire? We love having you. And he's like, well, you know, I am 68. I'm like, 68? Like it blew my mind. I had no idea. You know, I, I assumed, I don't know, late 50s. I mean, he looked great. That's the problem also. The generations are aging a lot better. But they had a very different time. Basically, what people need to know, the boomers, when they came of age, the economy was booming. And when I say the economy, I mean the stock market and the middle class and opportunity. There was a lot more financial stability. There's many factors that explain this. Uh, there were higher tax rates. Uh, there were, uh, you know, lots of more demand, a lot more single, like, sorry, a lot of single family homes were on the market. You have such a big generation. There was a post-war boom. 
There's many different factors that you could look at, but also they were set up for more success. Things cost less. So to give you an example, people say, oh, well, it's inflation. Well, that's not true. A house today costs 14 times as much than it did for the boomers. You can't just get a starter home today. I mean, you can in some very remote, rural type areas, but generally speaking today, a starter home is the price of what would have been a forever home. You know, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in Vancouver. I've lived in other cities and I found that was a struggle. I had to go in with friends to buy our last property. I mean, just a typical townhouse that would have required renovations uh, in our and some good neighbors, decent. I'm not talking like in the heart of real estate would have been like 800,000 to start. And you have renovations. That's not the price of what a boomer parent would have paid that growing up in the 60s, 70s, you get married, you get that. One person needs a job, the one new car in the driveway every 10 years, and you're good to go. And I believe they retired early, too. They had pensions. They had the Social Security. We still have some of that. But all of us, I think we can all say, you know that the millennials coming today know there's going to be very little left. Like I'll give just myself as an example. I'm 40 and at 65 is when I'll be able to retire. I've been working since I'm 15. And even if you look at it today, What you get in retirement, the most you can get maximum from the Canadian pension plan when you retire is if you take it at 65, you can get a little more than $1,000. It's 1,154, but the average monthly is 679. And that's today. So when you think about the rising costs, I think that play a huge factor. You hear in the States, especially about a lot of student debt. First of all, I think there's just more people in the world, right? You know, when when you were growing up, when most people were growing up, somebody in their 70s was an old person. But now, you know, lots of active people. They're all retired. They didn't have to work for 50, 60 years back then. You were able to retire a lot earlier and things didn't cost as much and they didn't keep up with inflation. So I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the conflict also with the fact that now this millennial Gen X is the largest population. They're not represented either in terms of policy. It's still mostly boomers who are the elected officials who design the policies that affect us, whether it be on taxes or climate or anything. And I think that's where you're seeing the real shift. And every generation blames, you know, the other one. There's misunderstanding from the boomers, you know, talking a lot about entitlement. And then it's funny because that's the same argument going back to the boomers, like that they're entitled. They want to do what they want to do. And they don't want to hear from these young upstarts who are lazy and live at home whether or not they could afford a house is not even taken into consideration. And then we all know that we have a lot of very, very stubborn people who are over 65 who believe they know best. A lot of the reason is people are talking about millennial burnout. A lot of people in the 30s and late 20s are starting to feel very, very overwhelmed. You've seen a rise in you know, understanding about mental illness and talking about it. It's not just because we're more open to that. It's because more and more people are stressed out and burnt out. And I think it's being raised by these boomers who saw their financial stability slipping away in like the 80s and 90s, you know, really pressuring the kids to do everything they can to make sure they got into a good college. So there's that college battle. And we all saw the college scandal. I mean, that's no surprise. A lot of us knew that was going on anyway. But you had this enormous pressure coming from the boomer parents because I think they knew that it was slipping away. And we now know that as a fact So I think we have to try to get along because the reality is people are living a lot longer. And yeah, there's going to be good boomers and bad boomers. But generally speaking, it's time for the boomers to, I'm not saying step aside completely, but make a little room at the table. You know, there's people who've been working for a long time in the 
Generation X, Millennial Generation, and they have a right to have their voice, especially when they're the ones getting the short shrift for the first time in a very long time, with the prospects looking less likely than they did for these people growing up. For example, the life expectancy is supposed to be lower for actual millennials and Gen Zers. I mean, that's just crazy. So hopefully the boomers can make a little room. It seems like if they don't, the Generation X, Millennial, and the Zs, all of them are going to be pushing for their place at the table. And hopefully we can get less Boomer Ellens and better Boomer examples like Samantha, which I'm going to talk about right after our commercial break. So this week's episode has been brought to you by a rough towel. Everyone loves a soft, fluffy towel, but the rough towel is no slouch. Everyone has that towel that, for whatever reason, has gotten a little rough, whether it's by too many washes or just poor quality. Just a touch shy of sandpaper, it makes the perfect hair towel or the quickest dry slash exfoliation. So go ahead. Don't be ashamed to hang your tattered old roughie along with the fluffy stuff. And I'm back. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Samantha, I know her name is Kim Cottrell, but I can't help myself. It's Samantha. She has a new show out called Filthy Rich. I haven't started watching it. It came out this past week. So if you guys have watched it, please send me your recommendations. I'm going to get started over the weekend. And it made me think about everything that Samantha's done. You know, we talk about feminism and again, allow of a shell and rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But that was the first real mainstream character that we saw on TV who was unabashedly confident and secure in her sexual freedom. We never got to see that. We They always kept playing to the little disillusions in society, you know, like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly or, oh, he took advantage of me. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But there are women who have their own agency, and it's not about being a slut or getting slut-shamed. And I loved seeing that. She wasn't seen as some desperate person or someone who was just being with men because she went through some rough abuse as a child and she can't handle love. Like, that was always what they would say when there was, like, a slutty character, you know? This was, no, I'm a successful woman, I like men, and I'm going to pursue them just the way that men are allowed to pursue women in this day and age. The only thing is, I guess I should give you guys a quick disclaimer. I've been told many times I look like Sarah Jessica Parker. But I remember, you know, watching this growing up. I mean, it came out, what, in 1998? It ended in 2004. I loved the show, but I was struck by how sometimes it seemed a little juvenile in the sense that Carrie and some of the characters, some of the things they went through and these dates they went through didn't seem like women in their 30s. It would seem like things that would have happened to them dating in their 20s. You know, the types of discussions they would have, whether it be about the golden showers or just certain sexual elements, you know, like dildos, things like that. Like these are women in their 30s, sophisticated women in their 30s would already be well past that, especially these savvy ladies. And I know they were supposed to be in their 30s, and Samantha was supposed to be older. She was supposed to be in her 40s. And, you know, believe it or not, she's also a baby boomer, but she always looked amazing. I mean, we all know the show for the amazing fashions that they wore and these crazy dates that everyone could relate to. But I always felt like the show, yes, I know there are four friends that get along, but it always seemed to me like four aspects of the same person. So this The whole Sex in the City, most of you guys know, it's based off a book by Candace Bushnell, and that was about her dating life. So she modeled, I think, Carrie after her, but obviously the rest of them are coming out of that because we all have our sides to us. Like sometimes people pick out a favorite and say, well, you know, I'm a Charlotte or I'm a Miranda, if you will. 
But I say we all have a bit of all of them in us. And I think that's why the show worked. Even the Samantha part, which wasn't risque. And that was another thing. It was acceptable to say you love Samantha and her fun-loving hunting ways. I loved it. I thought it was great. It's unfortunate they couldn't do a third movie because, according to Samantha, you know, uh, SJP is a fake bitch, which I don't know if that's true or not. They've been carrying on this feud for years, but apparently it all started when the show was doing really well. Carrie got the title, sorry, SJP got the title of executive producer and a bump in salary. And, you know, the way Kim Control explains it is, I thought we should all share in the fruits of this. And she had asked for a raise and instead they were all offended and vilified her for it. Like, she's crazy. And the rest of them all sided with SJP. She was the more powerful one. But, you know, I do agree if that's the case. I mean, come on, this is supposed to be about empowerment and feminism. And for me, always, I don't know about you guys, Samantha was my favorite. Not just because of her sexual freedom. Don't forget, she also ran her own business. You didn't see a lot of that either, right? You do see Charlotte running a gallery at one point, but then she just marries Rich, right? Miranda, you see her becoming a lawyer, which was excellent, but then you see her having a lot of problems with the partners, and she finally quits in the end. I'm not giving away any spoilers, because the show is just that famous. And Carrie, we all know what Carrie was up to. I mean, I don't need to tell you. She was making one bad pun after another, and then trying to, what I thought was gaslight a bit big in the beginning. You know, she was one of these women who wouldn't say what she wanted, and then expect him to know what she wanted. And then when she did say it, and he was like, I can't give that to you, she's like, you're evil. So I I just was not a huge Carrie fan for that, you know? I thought she could have been a little stronger. I think Samantha wouldn't put up with that. And we saw that. So it was great to see as an example, just confident women living their lives. I love all the characters. I do want to say that. I don't hate Carrie, you know? But we all have our favorites. And I think Samantha set such a great example and you know, owning her own business, being who she wanted to be, that's hard to do. A lot of people talk about, you know, coming out and, you know, other various ways, but to come out as a strong, successful woman and not be ashamed of it and not apologize for it. And she didn't have to dumb down anything for anyone. And she wore whatever the heck she wanted. You guys noticed that she had some of the most risque fashion looks. And I thought that was a little bit tongue in cheek almost or a little too much on the nose because okay, right. Yeah. She, she enjoys sleeping with men. I mean, what woman doesn't, right? Let's just be honest here. You know, everybody enjoys it. You know, if you enjoy, I'm, I'm sorry, the straight woman enjoy it, sorry, or just sex. When you enjoy sex, you enjoy sex. You're not like, oh, well, I only enjoy it if I'm in the right circumstances. No, I'm not saying go out and have sex every 10 minutes, but Samantha's saying if she wanted to, she can go out and get it just like these men could. And that was nice to see, but they always put her in like, the sexiest outfits and i'm like okay it's a little too on the nose we get it you know she likes her sex but you know just because she does doesn't mean she wouldn't enjoy like a charlotte type outfit once in a while we all know our wardrobes are diverse and varied but i think being going back to my original theory that they're four parts of the same person they to really highlight that they all had them in their own little styles as well like you kind of almost knew what they were going to be wearing charlotte's going to wear something a little bit preppy in nature you know, Miranda's going to wear something that's a little off for some reason, which I never got. And, you know, you're going to have Carrie in something crazy bohemian, you know, lots of great items coming off of her too, right? And then Samantha's going to be in something beautiful, but daring, risque. If it's a suit, it might have a slit down the front all the way down to her navel. You never know. But other than that, I'm excited to hear to see her new show. I, I wish they could have gotten along. I understand she said that 
That's the last chapter. There's no way she's doing a third movie. But she's some of the boomer energy that we need. She's a baby boomer. She's all about the love. She loves the character. She's never regretted playing it. And she said that she was getting a lot of pigeonholed into those types of characters. So I could see why she wanted to step away. At this point, she said it's not about the money. And I believe her because they all got so much money. Obviously, Carrie got a bit more. That was the whole feud. But other than that, I think it all worked out for her. So I'm definitely going to check out her new show. I hope it's good. I'll let you guys know. We're always on the hunt for something decent to watch these days. I should tell you guys, Girlfriends is on Netflix. And that, to me, I also was watching that when it came out. And I got to say, it's an amazing show. I always felt it was Sex in the City on the West Coast. You guys definitely need to check that out. I'm not going to give anything away. I don't. Sex in the City is not on Netflix, but Girlfriends certainly is. So for those of you who've never seen it, you're in for a real, real treat. It's a lot of fun, a very similar premise, except they're on the West Coast and they're for African-American ladies. Just a delight. You guys will love it. It's produced by Kelsey Grammer. You'll recognize these guys. Everyone knows Tracy Ellis Ross. She's the Carrie, you know, Joan. But it was a completely its own show, but I would definitely recommend it. And you guys will see some similarities in the fact that it's for a group of friends, you know. We're starting to see more and more of that diversification along with some of these shows. I could never watch Friends, for example, because that just didn't seem genuine to me. But the Sex in the City and the Girlfriends, definitely, those two are up there. So definitely give that a chance. Well, if you like what you hear, don't forget to check us out weekly on iTunes or on your preferred platform. Please give us a rating and subscribe to the show. Give us the stars you think we deserve. Check out our website at allkindspodcast.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at All Kinds Weekly or on Instagram at All Kinds Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you, and maybe I can discuss it on our next show. Thanks for listening.